0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Company We Keep podcast. I am your host, Jason Pearl, excited for you to be with us again today. This podcast is for everyday business owners, entrepreneurs, and leaders that want to think differently about growth and success and want to achieve better balance in both business and life. Today, we have a guest that checks all of those boxes. Eric Hepkins is the chief executive officer of Cornerstone Federal Credit Union. Um, He is a six time triathlete Ironman finisher. So let that sit with you for a minute. He has completed six Ironmans and he is the father of five young children from the ages of seven to 11 months old. He is a really impressive guy, has got lots of insight to share with you, and I'm really excited for you to learn about Eric. So without further ado, Eric Hepkins. All right. All right. I am here with a special guest today, friend and former colleague of mine, Eric Hepkins. Eric is a dynamic leader that I'm really excited for all of you to learn about. Eric has worked for some international banks. He's held some awesome leadership positions with some local and some international banks, and we're going to talk about all those things today. But before we get into that, let me break down a little bio of Eric, who Eric is and what he is all about. When I do this, you're likely going to say, where does this guy have all the time? But without further ado, here it is. So Eric is a devoted husband to his wife, Lizzie, um, and he is the father to five children. Um, And not just five children, five from the ages of seven to 11 months. He's a super busy guy. He's also currently the chief executive officer of Cornerstone Federal Credit Union, which is a really large credit union here in the local area that I reside in, Lockport, New York. And his, his credit union has over $500 million of assets. And he's in charge of over 120 employees. He's had a decorated career in banking, as I I mentioned, with HSBC, Evans Bank, and and now with Cornerstone. Um, And one of the most impressive things is Eric is also a triathlete and has competed and completed six Ironmans. So if you were feeling inadequate before, here we go. Eric Hepkins. everybody.
1: Good morning. How are you today, Eric? Great. Thanks for that introduction. I think it's
0: yeah, absolutely. Ironmans. I mean, that's that's got to be crazy. I had another question I wanted to start off with, but let's talk a little bit about that. So so six Ironmans you completed. Can you tell the audience what an Ironman actually is?
1: I mean, just the, the technical aspect of it, it's a uh, swim, bike, and then run. It's a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike, and then a marathon, 26.2 miles, um, you know, in, in a continuous format. So, I mean, it for me... Um, those who have done Ironmans will be unimpressed by this, but uh, it took me about 13 hours. And typically if if you haven't done an Ironman, you hear that number and you're like, oh, wow, 13 hours. But then some people
0: are like, man, you're slow, (laughs) (laughs) man, that is impressive. Uh, where, where did you compete in the Ironmans? I did Lake Placid six
1: times. So, you know, they have them around the country, around the world, um, Logistically, you know, that was the easiest one for me to get to when I first when I did when I did my first one. But also, I just I just love that area. I love the Adirondacks. And that's where I actually made the decision to do Ironman originally. So it just has sort of a special spot in my heart. Um, I was actually there watching one. And the day after the race is over. Uh, they do a highlight reel, and I was watching the highlight reel that they they put together. I mean, they produce it exceptionally fast. Obviously, it's the next morning, mm-hmm. and uh, and they were in the they were they kind of it was between the swim. It was when people were transitioning from the swim to the bike, and they're in that like a changing tent. And there was this elderly gentleman. I think he you know uh, is changing into his bike clothes, and he's they they look over at him and they say, "How you doing?" And He says he looks up and he goes. Uh, 63 years old, uh, triple bypass surgery last year, just finished the swim, and I feel great. And, wow. or you know, 60-something. I, and I just looked at that, and I said, I got to do that, you know. And I, yeah. I just thought, you know, if he, you know, what am I doing? I got this, I'm blessed with this body, this, you know, healthy, I'm a healthy individual. Why am I just sure. wasting? I felt like I was, I immediately felt like I was wasting myself. And so yeah. I said, I got it, you know, it was just like, I didn't even know how to swim to be honest with you I went to the pool after that that summer I went to the pool the first time and I couldn't make it across I couldn't make it across the pool (laughs) so I was in the four foot pool because I didn't want to drown and like halfway through I just I had to stand up I like I couldn't breathe and so it it was a journey um, but that's why I really love I love
0: Lake Placid and you know, I love the Iron Man. Well, that is that is such a cool story. So thanks for sharing that. Um, and, and, and obviously, this podcast is the company we keep podcast. I wanted to kind of introduce how you and I got to know each other. So back in 2000, late 2010, early 2011, I was transitioning from a career at Wells Fargo, which is another large bank that I spent the first 10 years of my career at. And after Wells Fargo bought Wachovia, the position that I was in in Northern New Jersey um was eliminated and i was gonna have to move for the seventh time in 11 years and just decided to take uh, a buyout and move back to my hometown and and kind of change my career so hsbc was gracious enough to hire me a mutual friend of ours scott wallace you know reached out to me and said hey heard you're, you know heard you're on the market you know would love to create a position for you so he did and and that's how i got to meet you you were in a leadership position running a territory in, in a sales management type of role you were super intimidating, probably because you were just like cut differently. And I was like, this guy's got it all together. He's super cut, but you're always really gracious and did a nice job. And so that's how we initially started to get to know each other. Didn't know each other very well. And then last year during COVID, we kind of reconnected. Little known fact, you're also the brother-in-law of of season two, episode one's guest, Michael McGreevy. So you are part of this like crazy, impressive McGreevy family tree. <laughs> um, so, so that's kind of how we're all interconnected. So if you surround yourself with the right people, you find, you find people like Eric Hopkins that'll join your podcast. It's great to have you on. You've held a number of different leadership positions. So you have a decorated career. You've held a, a lot of large retail management leadership positions within a few different banks. And now you're the top executive at Cornerstone Federal Credit Union. When you're introduced that way or people people say that to you or say you're the chief executive officer? Does that make you feel any different? Or how does it make you feel when, when you know you're the number one executive there?
1: It it's an incredible honor and it's an incredible responsibility. And, you know, to, to have the honor of leading 120 people in my case and just being there to support them, being there to support and nurture this team, and that's my role. You know, my role is to help people to get to places that they wouldn't go on their own. You know, I don't open accounts. I don't I don't underwrite loans. I'm just there to be a support system to an incredible team. That's where the that's when you really feel the pressure. When you have to be responsible to truly help people, to guide people to you know, to lift them up when they're feeling down. I mean, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of stress. People are the best part of my day, but they also can be the most complicated part of the sure. day as well. weighs well, heavy on me when I, if I feel like I'm not helping someone enough or sure. something pushing down on the culture, that's what I take you know, the greatest pride and ownership sure.
0: of. So you know, one of the interesting things is coming, knowing your background, coming from HSBC, which is an international bank. It's not a, it's not an American bank, right? It's an international bank. Um, having a transition from that, I know you had two different stops with HSBC in your career. Um, What was it like going from HSBC to then working through an opportunity as you're going through an interview process to say like, okay, I'm gonna leave potentially this opportunity that I have at HSBC and move to a more regionalized or localized credit union. How did did that thought process work through? Well, you know, I did that
1: twice. But I, I've always been like sort of that. I want to be that master of my own destiny. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to be told what position I was going to be mapping into in a new organization. So I went from this you know, big, you know, international bank to a you know, comparatively smallish community bank. It was a big shock going from such a, a large organization to a small organization. Lots of lessons to learn along the way. And then I got recruited back to HSBC at some point um, a few years later. And when I went back, it was different. Now I was in a national role. I was a U.S. head of whatever. And I was doing a lot of international travel now, India, U.K. I was, it was a great experience. But what I realized through that experience was I was really driven through the local community ties and really more the people management because now I was in a role that I was doing more initiatives and project-based mm-hmm. kinds of things sure. and less people leading i really started searching you know within myself and i and i started looking around as well and it, and it was an answer to prayer it, it was I, I i feel like i'm supposed to be here and then when i got the call that it was you know it was me i was just i almost hit the floor and <laughs> it was just such a great feeling but it, but it was validation it was like that from the moment that i saw the opportunity It just clicked. You know, there was something there that Mm -hmm. said, do it.
0: What's really interesting about that, Eric, is that we talk a lot on this podcast about defining your success. Like you as an individual need to figure out what you think success is. And I I, I certainly know that there are a lot of people that'd be like, wait a minute. It seems pretty sexy to be traveling to the UK and to India and repping one of the largest well-known international banks in the world. And being able to say like, Hey, I'm traveling and doing all these things. But as you're going through this process, you had children, you were married, you're traveling and success to you that what it sounds like what you found out was that it was about serving the local community, being a part of something that was tangible, that you could help and you could serve these people (coughs) with the talents that, that you have
1: being true to myself, using my gifts above, Mm -hmm. you know, anything else.
0: You know, yeah. And I think if you do that everything kind of works out. In in kind of a, a follow-up question to that is as you've had these different positions, international bank, localized bank, international bank again, and then onto a community credit union, um, how has that affected your leadership style over the course of the past, you know, decade and a half?
1: I don't know how unique my experience is, you know, going kind of up, you know back and forth twice between a large mm-hmm. and small types of organizations, but I've had the opportunity to see and learn from some really, really tremendous leaders. I mean, yourself included. I mean, that's how we met. You really have opportunities to learn from some really great people. And I've learned good from good and I've learned from bad. I've learned what not to do and I've learned what to do. Yeah.
0: And, and honestly, it's what I think is really important for other people, because again, this is a podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and leaders, right? You're the chief executive officer with a lot of responsibility. And if, if leaders surround themselves with the right people, what happens is people like you step up and say, go do what you have to do. Now, so as we continue to kind of transition in this line of questioning, we talk a lot about balance. So when we talk about balance, we talk about family. Again, you have this important role at this, at this credit union. Um, you have 120 people that look to you for leadership. But most importantly, you've got a wife and five children that look look to you for leadership, right? How do you find the time of the day? How do you balance? What what boundaries do you use to, to still be able to succeed as a husband and a father and succeed as a chief executive officer of a, of, of a large credit union?
1: You know, I, I think I'm probably learning that on a daily basis. I mean, I don't know what the, I don't know if there's a good answer for that. All I can say is my family's the number one priority, you know? Mm-hmm. and uh, fortunately, I'm able to uh, fit in more priorities after that I mean, because I have a very supportive wife. I have the time that I need if I need to go to an event after work. That support is there. I've never been made to feel like you can't do that or why aren't you home for that? But on the, on the flip side, I also try not to abuse that. What I try to do is create a human environment here where there are not these unrealistic expectations on people. And I think that helps that we're not expected to be here to all hours of the night, just to show that you're, you know, you're burning the midnight oil. I think you can find the balance if you're with the right organization that has that sort of a mentality. So one, you got to stop worrying about taking the credit. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not about you. It's about those around you. But if you just say, I'm not going to play that game, then the balance becomes a lot more possible.
0: One of the reasons that I, I decided to do this podcast. And another reason I like to bring on people like you is that this world needs to hear that leadership and success is not about climbing to the top of the mountain by yourself. It's about serving people. And if you lead the right way, Whether you're in a manufacturing company, whether you're in a bank or whether you're making widgets, if you serve the people that work with you the right way, you're going to enjoy what you do. You're going to get the most out of individuals and you're going to be able to enjoy both the business and the personal sides of whatever it is your life is. And... That's the type of message that I think needs to continually be put out there because it's so important for the young people coming out of school, trying to figure out what they want to do with their life and realize that if you just individually do what you think you're gifted in and you do it with the right heart and you serve the people the right way, you will find success. As we continue down this path of questioning, one of the questions I love to ask my guests is who is the company you keep and what fills your cup on a daily basis? to be able to pour out the way you do
1: well you know i mean largely the company i keep these days is is my family michael as you've referenced is my brother-in-law he's an Mm -hmm. incredible individual and Mm -hmm. if i don't admit how much i've learned from him along the way my father-in-law as well just uh amazing individual he's 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 done some really cool things after his uh retirement started a company called broodad and he's been trying to Educate teachers and school facilitators on how to build good culture there. You know, my father. Um, and I learned it all from my father. Integrity is number mm-hmm. one. He always put the family in, in front of himself. And then individuals like you. I mean, you know, having reconnected was you know not by accident. I think sure. as bad as uh, COVID was, there's a lot of silver linings that have come out of. It. And I have a few you know other close friends, but yeah, you know, it's a sure. it's a small circle because I just unfortunately don't have a ton of time, you right. know, <laughs> I don't remember the last, well, not because of COVID, but I don't remember the last happy hour I've been to, you right. know, so. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> happy hour is normally trying to get dinner at the table at the same time, right? Yeah, That's when everyone's happy. We're happy right. that hour if dinner's done. Yeah, right. Oh, that's funny. So true. So true. Um, so what we'll do is we're going to transition to a couple of fun questions. So um, as we, you know, as you talk about having five children and you know, and in and, and what what the chaos and and amazing nature of what what that would be like is, any funny fatherhood events that you've gone through that you think's worth sharing with the group?
1: Oh, okay. I can. One just popped into my mind immediately. Okay. So I'm I'm actually walking in to my ALCO meeting, it's a monthly meeting for non-bankers, Asset Liability co- Committee. It's basically, you sit down, it's one of the most important functions in a financial institution. You're talking through the balance sheet. You mm-hmm. know, I won't get into more of that. But I get a call from my wife as I'm walking in, and she said, um, Ethan's not here. That's my son, my, he's my six-year-old. Okay. And I said, uh, what do you mean? He's not there. My sister-in-law comes over every other Thursday and she goes to her house every on the other Thursday and they spend the day together. She's got two kids. You know, we have five and they're about the same age. So they play. Well, Ethan decided he wanted to go back to their house with them. So he hid in the back of their SUV as a stowaway. And it, I mean, it's a, I'm actually impressed because you know, as a six year old. He was able to sneak into this car, hide in the back behind the back seat, and be quiet enough. I mean, for a half hour. And Lizzie's looking everywhere for him, can't find. So she calls her sister Sarah, and she said, "Is there any chance Ethan's with you?" And Sarah's like, "No." And then she goes, "You know," and she calls back. Girls, is Ethan in the car? And one of the girls goes, and they're like, "No." And then one of the girls goes, "Yes, he's in the car." And then he pops up. You know, and she's already back in Buffalo. Right. Wow. And I'm like, you know, so she was obviously shaken up because of the whole ordeal, not knowing where he was. And and I'm like, You've got to be kidding me. So I had to walk into my Elko meeting and say, guys, I, I'm sorry, I gotta I gotta go pick up my son in Buffalo. He's just stowed away in a in a car. You um, can't
0: make that up. You cannot make that story up. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. That so. is oh, that I, that is a great story <laughs> to your point impressive for the six-year-old to think about that and to be that quiet but as a parent you're losing your mind right because yeah. the safety he's not buckled up right like he's yeah he's in the back I don't even know he's in there
1: you, you know so, know so i mean what if, if she stopped it i mean don't yeah. even get me started but yeah you know
0: yeah well if you ever fly anywhere as a family like you, you need to get one of those backpacks you know that has like the leash on it so he's not trying to like oh, go to alone. Of, like, hawaii yeah <laughs> right oh that's funny oh wow what that is a great story another fun question is so we we always have some type of musical question so um with five kids this may be hard to answer or maybe it's going to be easy to answer but um what's the last album you downloaded or bought or, or what was the last live show you went to
1: well my last download was just a song um it was on the road again i think that's willie nelson uh yeah
0: it is Yeah,
1: because what I did was I we have a like a UTV uh, side by side kind of thing. We all got in it and we were driving through the woods and I had my camera mounted on the dashboard and I had us all like going through the trail like this. And I took I took like a 30 second snippet of that video and set it to on the road again. (laughs) and shared that to the family. I thought that thought it looked hilarious. Yeah. So that was my actually my last download.
0: All right. Very cool. You got to love Willie Nelson. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, now, knowing that you're a triathlete, this may be a difficult question because, uh, you know, who, who knows what type of guilty pleasure you have uh, because you probably eat clean and do all those great things. But is there any type of guilty pleasure you have, whether it be TV show or food or anything like that?
1: Well, food wise, it's got to be um, kettle brand salt and vinegar potato chips. I just love them.
0: I knew we were kindred spirits, man. I, I am a salt and vinegar freak. I love it. I actually like it so much that I give it up for chunk months of time yeah. because I would eat a whole bag. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. yeah,
1: I count that as my one splurge when it comes to eating.
0: Yeah, I love it. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. Well, so as we get ready to kind of close up, anything you want to ask me or anything you want to share with the audience that we haven't talked about? I'll
1: put in a, a, a quick selfless plug for Cornerstone. Sure. We are not for profit. If, if people don't know what credit unions are, I really I just ask that they, they take a look and, mm-hmm. and check them out. Everyone should have a relationship with any credit union, doesn't not mine, just a credit sure. union, because we are a not for profit, 100 percent member owned co-op. If you've ever belonged to a co-op like a farmer's market co-op or, sure. you know, that's what it is. It's just a, a bunch of people that own it and that use it. And we don't, we don't make profit for shareholders. We don't have quarterly earnings estimates to hit. We can make decisions for the community, the right decisions for the community. And we don't have to put profit as our motivation. We're not subsidized by the government, so we have to run a strong business. But if we make too much money, we don't keep it. We give it back to our members. So you find that we try to have better rates, but it's not just about the rates. It's about the advice that you're going to be getting from our people or the products that you're going to be getting from our people or the products that we develop are made for the member and the community. Number one, I just need to make one more dollar than it costs to run the place. Yeah. And that's it. And that's how every credit
0: union operates. And, and knowing you as a leader and other leaders um, in the credit union world, it is a really important point. It doesn't mean that banks are bad, but it just means that credit unions have a very different business model. And it's serving the community as we talked about. So that's such a good plug. And, and if you guys pull that from this podcast, and that's the only thing you pull, that's it's a it's a great thing. Support your local credit union because they're they're there to support you. So well, Eric, I have had a blast chatting with you. It's been great, you know, introducing you to the audience and, and letting them know about what true leadership looks like, which is which is what you're seeing here on the screen in Eric Epkins. So I just appreciate who you are. I appreciate your time and, and what you're doing to serve the community that I live in. So thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to getting together in person soon. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Company We Keep podcast. Hope you enjoyed learning from and listening to Eric Hepkins as much as I did. It was great to have him on and great to catch up with him. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to keep the conversation going, I'd implore you to visit my website, jasonmpearl.com for all sorts of ways to interact with me and keep the conversation going. Till next time, I'm Jason Pearl. I'm out. See ya.